Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of Undersampled Radio. We're here today with a very special guest by the name of Matt Hall. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, it's, life is good. Um, yeah, I'm excited because I'm off to a hackathon tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to. I know. Um, you know, a bit nervous because not sure what to expect, but excited because I think it's going to be fun just to geek out for a weekend. Which hackathon is that? It's um, so it's one of these unearthed events. I think I've mentioned before. Um, so they're run by this group out of Australia. This is like the second one I think that they've done outside the U.S. And they're, so they're mining industry, and Barrick Gold, uh, Barrick Gold Company, who are based in Toronto, have provided. So the way it works is that the company sponsors provide the problems. Um, but it's not like one team, one problem. The problems are actually quite big, like it's sort of subsurface data integration and uh, predictive maintenance on haul trucks. Um, not going to so solve that in a weekend. <laughs> you're right. Well, so there's multiple projects within these project themes. So um, the Barrett Gold have provided the, these two themes and... Yeah, teams of roughly four will show up and see what they can do. I think Barrick also provide a bunch of data, I understand. So, yeah, kind of don't really know what to expect beyond that. The organizers have been really on it. They're really doing a nice job of like there's a special Slack team for all the participants, um, sent out a really nice kind of PDF info package thing a few days before with all the problems in and basic housekeeping stuff so yeah really nicely organized so i'll definitely be stealing some of those ideas for for paris and beyond are you bringing a team or are you going to meet some folks there yeah i'm so there's three of us traveling from nova scotia me and diego uh, castaneda my um machine learning expert that we're using him he's not an agile employee but he's a he's contracting to us um and his partner uh, who's also like him, an astrophysicist. So uh, it'll be the three of us. Unfortunately, Evan can't join us, but otherwise he would have been been along as well. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. And hopefully, I, like I think uh, I'm gathering from the Slack that some people don't have teams yet. So my my hope is because none of us have really deep web dev skills. So I'm kind of hoping that we can bump into a friendly JavaScript developer tomorrow night. Cool. Yeah. Is it is it the whole weekend? Yeah, it's like uh, I think they, it's fifty four hours or something. So it's basically nine p.m. tomorrow until midnight. No, well, yeah, I don't know, something like. I guess we start at six p.m. but start coding at nine p.m. till midnight, and then it's like eight till midnight Saturday, and then Sunday it's like eight till six or something like that. Yeah, it's a lot of coding. Yeah, it's potentially a, a lot. I mean, I, you know, I guess you set your own parameters. So uh, it's actually one of the teams from the machine learning contest from uh, Quebec City, GeoLearn was the name of the team. Uh, those guys are going to be in Toronto as well for the PDAC, which I think is the big mining conference, technical conference. And um, Unfortunately, they're not coming to the hackathon, but we're going to try and meet up with those guys for a beer on Saturday. So we might not be like 100% coding every every available minute. I don't know, you won't. You won't need it. It'll be okay. You'll still. Yeah. Win. Yeah, I will get a script up tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's always a good excuse, right, to poke away at some new technologies and try some things you haven't tried before. Um, it's, Sponsored by AWS, uh, so you get some AWS sort of free time 
so, so uh, I'm planning to poke away at uh, AWS Lambda a little bit because I've never really got my teeth into into that. So what do you want to do with it? Well, basically, Lambda instead of running a whole web server, Lambda can just provide sort of microservices. So I'm thinking if you if you've got Lambda or some Lambda functions, they can basically serve your front end with all, instead of writing your own API backend. Nice. Monstrosity, like is what we usually end up doing. Nice. Yeah. We'll see. Hey, um, audience, do you guys hear how awesome Matt sounds today? Yeah. Yeah. It's Pretty great. How great? Pretty great. <laughs> He's got, what, what, what are you speaking through there, man? There's a, I have a pop filter on here for popping or depopping my plosives. <laughs> it's very cool. And now you you look very professional. That's right. I also, <laughs> pretty embarrassed. I, sw I swore I wasn't going to admit this to anyone, but I've only just realised that these cardioid mics, ha like you're supposed you're supposed to talk into them in a particular. In, with the, the mic in a particular orientation. <laughs> I did not know that, and, but I do recall from every other episode we've ever recorded that mic pointed straight at you. In the... Well, it varies a bit because I've also struggled with um, some sort of contraption to hold this stupid thing up. And, yeah. and the, thing, the things that I keep, well, as you know, I've used small uh, fake succulents that was one experiment. Uh, I'm currently using an Ultrapod. Ooh. Um, I know you're supposed to have like a boom and stuff, but that just seems kind of over the top because yeah. this room gets used for all sorts of other things. So I like to be able to just like put stuff away. Um, anyway, the various things I've used, this is my second tripod, uh, just keep breaking. And so the mic, actually, I've had to have it in all sorts of random orientations, but I just assumed that it didn't really matter. But like a geophone, does matter. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. I haven't listened carefully to the results, but um, it has an opinion anyway. Let's put it that way. I, I will say that you sound particularly crisp and clear today, or not not crisp actually, like uh, soft and clear. It's nice. It's whatever oh. you're doing is is working today. Interesting. You're the second person today to 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 call it soft. So. Um, Whatever that means. Yeah. So we you use this setup for other uh, video chats. Is that why? I've been in this room all day today. Unusually, oh. I'm not normally on the phone all day. But Are you locked in? <laughs> I might be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the door's probably just. There's probably snow drifted up outside here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's freezing today. We had we're in a serious serious cold front down here. We're in uh, it's it's about 66 Fahrenheit right now. So. Mm -hmm. It's uh, pretty cold. Hey, um, remember that um, calcite birefringence um, riddled me this question? How, how could I forget that? Um, because you well, loved what, it. What happened there? It all went silent for a second. Who? Me? Yeah. Oh. I don't well. know if that was my end or your end. Anyway, calcite birefringence, you say? Yeah. <laughs> I can Let me, say that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the answer. Okay. okay. You got it? Thank goodness. Okay. Um, thank goodness. Except that because you disliked it so much, I'm going to uh, change it. I'm going to I'm going to re <laughs> obfuscate the question as I go, and I haven't written any of this down. So when I switch back accidentally, you just let me know. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here. Oh wait. I mean, here we go. With the question, not the answer yet. I got <laughs> He's spitting out his teeth. <laughs> you can put it on mute. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Here we go. So rather than calcite birefringence, if you want to hear about calcite birefringence, you're going to have to listen to last week's episode. If you want to hear about the new question, here it goes. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, slate. Um, okay, so imagine that you have one million squ slate squares and you paint one side of them white. Okay. So we have a slate, slate colored side and a white colored side. We'll just call that slate colored side black. So I don't have to keep saying slate colored side. 
Okay, so we take our one side painted slates and we lay them out on a long, long lab table in a in one in one line. Okay, so at the outside of on at the door to this um, mineralogy lab where we have all these slates lined up, we have one million mineralogists lined up. Okay, so we let them in one at a time, only one at a time. First mineralogist comes in. By the way, I forgot to say this. We <laughs> it's bad. I know I should have written this down. Uh, we we orient all the slates black side up. Okay. All right. So when we let the first mineralogist in, the mineralogist flips every slate over to the white side. We let the second mineralogist in. That mineralogist flips every other slate back over to the black side. So now every, one, every other one is white, every other one is black. The third mineralogist flips every third slate, the fourth mineralogist every fourth slate, and so on and so forth. And eventually we get to what? The last, the millionth mineralogist who flips just one sample, which it would be the millionth. Okay, so the question was, Oh, now I've forgotten where I started. Uh, uh, which <laughs> the question is, which slates are black side up and which are white side up? Mm. Now, as I mentioned last week, this is one of my faves. I think this is such a cool, uh, such a cool riddle because it's mathy. In okay. um, I was trying when I first heard this, I was trying to come up with an answer. Um, by doing brute forcing things initially, uh, you know, like uh, something about flipping every other one, and then the, I was thinking factorial something. And then as I moved down this line of thought, I was thinking of binomial series and things like this. But uh, nope, that's not right. So did you figure it out? Have you been working this out while we're sitting here? I've I've not no I was just having a mild panic attack about you. this week's riddle. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's intrigue. Yeah, certainly seems to involve factors in some factors. way. Yes, yeah, it's, it's some. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh -huh. So, um, the the line of reasoning is actually a lot simpler than it seems. So, hint number one here is. Oh my goodness, I had hints written down last week and I was going to give them out last week and I totally forgot to do so. So you guys, you audience had quite a hard riddle on your hands. So um, I'm not even going to go through the hints, I'm just going to give you the answer. So um, think about the first mineralogist. She flips sample number one and obviously all the rest of the samples down the way. But mineralogist number two only flips, only starts at the second sample. So the first sample would be untouched after sample after mineralogist number one and, and so on um, down the line. So which the question kind of becomes which mineralogists touch which samples? And the answer is that it's only the if we index, yes, I've mentioned the one index system last week. If we index the samples in a one index system, the first sample is number one, the last sample is number million, and the mineralogists the same, uh, the samples will only be flipped by, I'm <laughs> trying to read this out from a, from a different question, the samples will only be flipped by the mineralogists whose index is a factor of the sample index. So, for example, Sample number 10 is flipped only by mineralogists numbers 1, 2, 5, and 10. Can you see that? So 1 flips every 1, 2 flips every 2, 2 so uh, two is a factor of 10, so the second one flips it. 5 is a factor of 10, so they're going to flip number 5 and number 10. And then obviously 10 counts 2 because the flipping number 10. So. Prime numbers, prime indexed samples are only flipped um, by mineralogists number one and what well, the prime number index itself. Um, so, how which ones are going to be flipped? Which ones are going to be white and which ones are going to be black? 
Well, we know that if there are an even number of factors, the samples will come up black. They start. They all started black, by the way, because it gets flipped once, twice, get flipped back to where you started, four times, back to where you started, six, blah, blah, blah. So the only the odd, only the samples with the odd number of factors are the samples which will be changed. In this case, will be flipped to the white side. And as it turns out, do you know which samples, which, which do you know which numbers have an odd number of factors? No, but I, so we're just about to learn some number theory. Yeah, well, this is, yes. This is sort of number theory, isn't it? Is that what they yes. call that? Yes. No, so it's fascinating. What, what, what numbers have an odd number of factors? Perfect squares. What? Because obviously the square or the square root of the index is the odd factor out. Bum, ba, da, ba. So, right. the indices of samples, which will be white, will be samples 1, 4, 9, 16, 25, and so on. Cool, huh? Crazy. So Very what you're saying, all other numbers have an even number of factors? Yep. Only perfect squares. Yeah. So because there's some symmetry, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought where it was going was like some kind of sieve of Eratosthenes, but it's kind of like that, but for for perfect squares, which are obviously a bit easier to find than prime numbers. <laughs> and if you want to find them, in fact, I have written out a little script which finds all the perfect squares up to whatever number you choose. It's written in Matt's favorite language, Julia. That's uh, got to be a one-liner, isn't it? Which is, no, it's not a one-liner. I wrote it out for real. Wait, a perfect square is a square number? What? What's a perfect Fine. square? What's the definition of a perfect square? It has an integer uh, square root. Yeah. OK, so isn't it just like a list comprehension x squared <laughs> for, you would for think x so. in range if, okay, x so. less than, if x squared is less than 1,000? That's more than one line. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Not in Python. <laughs> sure, I know. And in fact, when I was writing this thing out, I wrote it on Python too. I, d I deleted it afterwards, obviously. Um, but there, there are you know, is in uh, uh, keywords and things which help with this and reduce it to about two lines, whereas this Julia thing I've written is like ten lines or something. Anyway, okay, I'm going to post that later in case you're interested. Uh, Dude, tweet it. I mean. Well, yeah. What? It's what? a GitHub repo? <laughs> where, where, where are you going <laughs> to No, I'm just going to tweet it. Suggest? I'm going to tweet it. It's OK. Tweet the heck out of that. If you prefer, you can write one in Python and tweet that against my back and reply at me. OK. I'm pretty sure mine will fit in a tweet. We're, <laughs> we're going to have a Christomathy of uh, finding perfect squares uh, in tweet form. So What's if the condition? You, just below if, all perfect squares below some integer. Well, in this case, it's a million because that's what we used in our riddle. Um, so if you hack F sharp, you can uh, tweet us an F sharp script. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can do that right now. <laughs> no, um, you're supposed to be thinking about the new the new. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So well, I want to do. Are we? Is that what we're doing now? We're going to do the new puzzle. No, we don't have to. If you need some more time, you can do it. We can. Um, I have some things to talk about. You mentioned a really cool thing here. I'll stall. I'll stall with this. You keep working. Do so, you know what the map box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what map box is? Uh, well, I read about it for thirty-five seconds before we started. <laughs> right before we went live. <laughs> so now, now you're ready to host the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Come on, looks... who's got questions? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we're not <laughs> accepting live questions. At the... Oh, we're oh we're not accepting live. Hold on, I need to open this up. You tell us what Mapbox is while I do what I'm supposed to be doing. Thirty. Minutes ago. <laughs> I don't really know what it is. I think it's, <laughs> basically it's one of these mapping mapping APIs, like like Leaflet, I think. Right? Um, Are you asking me? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. I'm an what, what got my? <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought you'd... you said you'd read about it. Um, what got my interest up was, um, I guess they've built uh, an SDK for Unity 
so you know they're looking i you know there's some really nice examples on the I linked to a tweet which contains a link. <laughs> if you follow that, it goes to the SDK page. And there's some really nice examples of stuff that they've done. So, for instance, you know, it's basically taking things like uh, topographic maps and turning them into beautifully rendered, shaded 3D models. Um, but even doing cool stuff like I wasn't sure if it was Minecraft-like or actually Minecraft, but making uh, Minecraft worlds, blocky worlds, out of real topographic data and that kind of thing because you know that we've i think we've talked before about um minecraft like worlds and discretized worlds in um but with real geology and potentially using them for geophysical experiments you know because there's a pretty fine line between that kind of world right and a geocellular model say true well it is a geocellular model essentially i guess just not a very sophisticated one because all the the grid is totally kind of regular it's not well, something if you fancy. make it fine enough if you make it fine enough you can approximate weird uh, there you go yeah anyway yeah so i built a or my team and i built a um an app on top of a map box uh api that indexed seismic data and did some cool geometry stuff so Mapbox itself is very very neat uh super easy to use and um I'm pretty excited about being able to do this and utilize Mapbox in Unity because that means I can, you know, put real real places in my um, virtual reality, uh, what have you. Right. Um, yeah, have you played with? We actually mentioned this briefly a couple of, a bunch of episodes ago, but you can um, Google Earth is now available in VR in the uh, Steam Store. And it is awesome. What you does can't. that what does that mean? I don't really know what Steam is, so I'm oh, happy that statement. It, uh, it's a, it's a video game marketplace and um, interface. Steam is. And uh, so basically if you go to the Steam store, you can download Google Earth for in my case HTC Vive. And you can just uh, you you put your VR goggles on and you're and you're out in space staring at the world, which is just like Google Earth on on a computer. And you can fly around mountains and you can fly through cities and stuff. But it is awesome because you're in VR, so you're looking around. It's kind of hard to make an impression by describing it on the radio, but um, you should absolutely check it out. It's it's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't even know how to kind of like get into that whole world. I, I guess I, I did have a somewhat a professional interest in sort of three D rendering and stuff when I started in um, geophysics because I was really into volume interpretation and vis rooms and all that kind of thing. Um, but I never really figured out how to like. I've never been into video games, um, so I never really figured out how to sort of program 3D stuff and, you know, I really like all the stuff that um, Ron Cocker does on, you know, with WebGL. Uh, I'm sort of interested in the technology, but not, I guess, interested enough to actually try doing things with it. It looks so awesome, but it looks hard, I guess, right? Because it's, well, it looks so cool. You just think, oh, that's got to be really difficult, but I'm sure it, I'm sure it isn't. Don't yeah, don't get started with with um, Unreal Engine or Unity because it is so easy that within a day you'll be off the deep end building crazy three <laughs> D worlds. I mean, it's, it's those those two platforms in particular make it just really really accessible. What was that one you just named? Unity. You and the other one? You just Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. That's a, that's like a Unity, is it? Okay. The licensing um, is a slightly different, um, and I, do, I don't know all the details, so I'm going to talk about them right now. <laughs> uh, Unity, you don't have to pay anything to use Unity until your sales exceed a certain dollar amount or your company's valued at a certain amount or something like that. And I, and I don't know how um, Unreal charges, but... Um, 
So if you're just playing with things, Unity is free. Uh, oh, okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of playing with things, I released a while ago. This is actually from an old show notes because I didn't get to talk about it. I put a GitHub repo up with an LSTM, just a little simple thing written in uh, Torch with the element RNN um, package. And it just predicts the last digit in a series of random numbers which have increasing last digits. So, for example, you could have a string of numbers that was 41, uh, 252, um, 3,333, and then it would predict the next digit, the next last digit would be four. Anyway. It's uh, it's just like um, predict the next character in a sequence, but um, I didn't. I wanted to do something that I hadn't seen before, just so I could learn a little more. But you said next you character in a random sequence, did you? Did I read that correctly? I was just from from the show notes. It, it I did write random numbers, but the random numbers have to have monotonically increasing last digits, or else we'll. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it's it doesn't it's not useful. It doesn't do anything, but um, it's cool. It's a fun experiment. It's free. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it's fun mucking around. Yeah. Like uh, what? You know. How about do you, keep, do you keep all your funny little experiments somewhere? Do you have like a random repo in GitHub? Yep, they're all up there. Um, all in various states of disarray. Right. Yeah. Um, there are, I, I think, as a well, certainly for me, and maybe as a general rule for most folks up there on GitHub, you can tell which projects are mostly finished because the readmes are mostly polished. Right. So anyway, if you're looking at my GitHub page, you can tell which things you should just ignore and which things you should read if there's a nice README. <laughs> um, what's happening with um, SEG conference papers? Um, oh, I just I just wanted to mention the uh, the the well, not really upcoming, but the end of the month is the deadline for SEG abstracts. Um, and I had another deadline in there somewhere, but I can't remember what it was. What was that? Something coming up. Oh, AGU. well, a AGU, yeah. So what is it, the 22nd of April or something? 19th. 19th of April for AGU session proposals. Like the abstract deadline is in August. Um, so there's no, no panic on that front. But the um, if you want to do a session, and considering it myself, uh, then you need to get stuff together in time for that, middle of April. Yes. Um, oh, I've got the notes right in front of me. Oh, SciPy, that's the other one that's coming up. Um, Call for Papers is open right now, and I think you've got until, off the top of my head, something like the 20th of March, if you're interested in SciPy. And there is a good, like, for the last couple of years, there's been a good Earth Science track, in fact, the last three years, an Earth Science track at SciPy. Um, so it's definitely worth going to, especially if you're in sort of Texas. It's in Austin every year. Um, it's a really awesome conference. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to go again this year because of just too much to do. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. That was all on the on the deadlines side of things. Like, I what did we miss something last year? I know what it was. It was the the UK Oil and Gas Authority. And the CDA, and I can't remember what that stands for, but it's they basically look after data stuff for the U UK continental shelf. And um, <clears throat> they organized this thing last year. What do they call it? The Unstructured Data Challenge. And uh, they basically put a huge pile of unstructured data out up on, in some data repo and invited people to have a go at extracting intelligence from it, basically. So it was like well reports, LAS files, and all sorts of other stuff. And I completely missed it. Like I didn't hear about it until a couple of, like, I don't know, six weeks ago. And the thing finished, like, you know, last year. 
there was a <laughs> there's a mini conference. In fact, there's one coming up in Stavanger, I think. Uh, sorry, Haugesund in Norway. Uh, repeat of a mini conference that was in November in Aberdeen, where the people who submitted stuff to this challenge presented what they'd managed to do, what they'd managed to get out of this unstructured data. And they're all basically just using, you know, text mining, machine learning stuff to uh, attack this pile of documents, mostly to attack one particular aspect of the pile of documents because it was so huge and so kind of chaotic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I've definitely had a, had a poke at that, I think, but just didn't hear about it. So like, uh, you know, software, uh, software underground can be a bit of a bulletin board, but I feel like it'd be a real shame if lots of these things just kind of go past w without us flagging them. So if you do hear about stuff and you think the wider community should know about it, please get in touch um, somehow on Twitter or on Slack, uh, softwareunderground.org. Thank you. Um, what's up? What's, you looking for t-shirts? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, done, I think, four t-shirts. Not all of the hackathons have had their own t-shirt. It depended on circumstances. But um, we'll do one for Paris because it's going to be a big one, I hope. So we'll, we'll you know, it, I, I like sending people back with a t-shirt. And hopefully, they'll wear them around the conference and stuff. And sort of people will go, hey, what's that? Um, and uh, so I put, I asked on Slack the other day if is anyone interested in you know a, coming up with a design or just ideas for a design. I like drawing these things as well, so I don't I don't mind just sort of manifesting an idea, but um, threw it out there. And uh, Jonathan, who's been helping a bit find a venue, came back with some really cool um, sort of matrix like. Uh, designs with the, the skull and hammers, if you've seen that, the skull light bulb. Skull bulb? I need a, I need a name for that logo. The skull bulb and hammers. Um, <laughs> uh, featuring that with some sort of just picked out highlighted letters with like subsurface hackathon Paris 2016, 2017 or something like that. Um, anyway, if anyone else has got awesome ideas for t-shirt designs, more ears. Put uh, put an Eiffel Tower on there and submit it on Software Underground. There you go. It's got to have the it's got to have the uh, the skull bulb and hammers. Like that's a prerequisite. That's a requirement. Yeah. What about the other one that didn't have the skull bulb and hammers? They they've all had it. Oh. Yeah yeah. Okay. Well, I really like that. Just... I really like that logo. I'm, I'm like I get every opportunity I can <laughs> reproduce that that thing. Nice. I'm sick of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, what about this? Uh, are we doing the brain teaser thing, or are we going to save it for next time? No, go ahead. No? Yeah, you want to do it? So, no, I, I want you to do it, not me. Okay, okay. But I gathered from your remark, mineral A to Z series. Pick one. You thinking just one of these? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because. One of them is hard, and the other ones, I feel like the other ones are fairly easy. Okay, so what we're talking about right now, since no one knows because you can't see the notes, is there we have a list of uh, mineral questions that involve the complete list of, of mineral names, and you have to do things with them. How many are there? One? Eight, eight, eight challenges here. Uh, so so uh, give... I yeah, can't so, tell. Well, go uh, ahead. Well, I, I scraped this list of mineral names. I think it's pretty complete. It's from the IMA, International Mineralogists Association. Um, so, I, and it's. I think it's pretty up to date. But for the sake of argument, I guess we could say that is the list of minerals. <laughs> um, so the questions. There are several questions here, but the the hard, the tricky one. Let me might as well start with that. Is What's the shortest list of minerals? So the fewest, ideally the fewest actual mineral names, but really I think I'm interested in the fewest total number of letters. Um, so those are two different rules. Let's say it's, what do you think? Fewest total letters. The fewest total letters, but in fully legit mineral names that use all of the letters of the alphabet. So, you know, you can start with quartz, it gets you some good ones. 
Q and Z, which you would think would be relatively unusual. And then, I don't know, what are you going to add? Aragonite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bertherine. Anyway, so you can go from there. Um, I suspect most people, uh, many of our listeners, will want to solve that problem in code. Um, and I'd, be, I'd love to see, see how you solve it. I'll, I will show you in the solution how I solved it, probably horribly. In a tweet. Um, in a tweet, yeah, one-liner. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely curious. It's quite a tricky problem, right? Because it's sort of an exhaustive uh, search. But right. there's a link there to the list of mineral names, a text file containing those names on Dropbox. So have at it. I'm not, you know. If you think it. you can find a more interesting ad adaptation of the problem, I'm interested in that too. And if you can solve it without looking at the list of mineral names in your head, then that'd be pretty cool. Then Matt will give you $1 million. Because <laughs> it would be pretty impressive. Uh, it would be really impressive, yeah. It actually would. But Only 1 million high fives. I, I mean, I must say, I'm not, I'm only, in fact, I wouldn't, I'd have to go back and look at my code because I did this a few weeks ago, but I wouldn't even like to say how sure I am that I've got the optimal answer. Oh. Totally plausible that someone might be. Oh. Okay. So submit your answer and every answer is right because we don't know. As long as your list is shorter than Matt's. You yeah, see if, you can, see if you can beat me. How's that? Yeah. Um, okay, so then next week we're going to give this, we're going to give seven questions and do an answer all, all seven of them. Yeah, and exactly. the challenge there, that's like a, I think a lot of those are sort of code golf challenges because some of them are one-liners. Um, so maybe there's a contest to see next time who can get the, who can solve those problems in, with the fewest number of bytes. Um, there are oh, 4,678 minerals in that list. Whoa, that sounds pretty complete. Yeah, they've got some great names. Zinco Woodwoodite. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's the challenge. The, the The link is in the... There's a link to another Google Docs file in the show notes, and that second Google Docs file contains the link to the mineral names. <laughs> is this... Okay, so we're three links deep. Is the link to the Mineral A to Z seri series document public? I want to check that. Um, it will be by the yes. time you hear this. Yeah, yeah, it better be okay. right. Okay, hey, I'm reading a pretty good book that you should check out. This is uh, wait, hold on, let's let's do it like this. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Undersampled Radio Weekly Book Review. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. It's pretty cool. It's the newest. Uh, have you heard of this? No. Oh, okay. It's the um, newest Pulitzer uh, biography winner. Um, it's an auto biography. He's is was um, a surfer, uh, and it's a, it's the story of his uh, world travels and people uh, meetings uh, while surfing. Uh, you know, searching for the uh, the perfect wave, bro. Right. And who's um, the author? William Finnegan. Uh, and uh, what, he's a professional surfer, is he, or uh, a writer, or no, no, he's he's a writer, but he he was okay. he grew up surfing, he surfed his whole, and he I'm not at the end of the book yet, so I can't say, but uh, I imagine he's still surfing. Um, Presumably, it ends with him writing his autobiography. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those weird <laughs> things where you're looking in two mirrors, one's facing the other, and it just goes on and on. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, I mean, obviously, it's beautifully written. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, but it's uh, it's a it's a nice um, it's almost calming in a way to hear about his travels and um, it's, it's it's been really interesting so far insofar as the characters in the book take on the attitudes of the author character as as that character progresses through um, not not just life but uh, his location. It's geographic location, so it's it's very cool. Tyler, um, that does sound good. Um, I've just finished Logic Comics. You read that? Nope. 
I'm pretty pretty late to the Logicom Logicomics game. I think it came out in 2009, um, and won all sorts of awards. Very popular. It's a, it's a comic um, or a graphic novel, I guess, uh, by a group of Greek um, writers and artists, and it basically tells the story of sort of the development of logic and philosophy through the 20th century uh, or the late 19th and um, sort of early 20th century through mostly through the story of Bertrand Russell's life. Hmm. Um, but it touches on lots and lots of other characters like Wittgenstein and um, uh, Gödel and, you know, lots of other mathematicians and philosophers. Uh, sort of not dwelling it's not a technical book it's not it doesn't dwell on the technical stuff at all really it, it's it's more of a biographical account of all these characters and their interactions um but re really really good and actually it what turned me on to it was their next book i think it's the same team um and i think this was the next book but certainly a subsequent book um called democracy which i read a couple months ago and um and that was also awesome telling this. In fact, I think I might have mentioned it on the show before, uh, telling the story of the birth of democracy in Athens. And um, yeah, so really, really good little team. And actually, I heard on the radio this morning, I listened to <clears throat> the Today program on BBC Radio 4 in the morning for about half an hour. And uh, there was a story on there that I missed, but the headline was that and this was like kind of been on the national news. I think it must have been one of the Today programs kind of headlines for the show um, that you learn better apparently through comics and cartoons and things than you do through the written word. Why? Which can't be true for everyone, but um, I don't know. I mean, they do focus like often on you know like real action rather over description and. Um, on characters and character development, they're character driven. And so I, I, maybe that's part of it. Maybe we just remember that stuff. I don't know, I'm making this up as I go along. Pop psychology. Much like the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's oh it. I've, I read this thing yesterday, this awesome, I, like I don't, I don't think I can sort of really speak to this, but I read this awesome takedown of psychology a as a field. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of really eye-opening, but this guy who I think is a statistician rather than a psychologist has just been following the development of um, essentially a reproducibility crisis in psychology hmm. where oh. since about the mid-2000s, there's been this kind of growing realization that all of the studies are unreproducible, <laughs> like all of them. And um, the whole science seems to be kind of imploding, um, which I thought just was reading it, kind of nodding my way through it, thinking, wow, I hope the reproducibility zealots don't come to geology. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I was thinking that? But that was the first thing I thought was, there's never really been a... a I, that I know of a rigorous survey of reproducibility in geology and that I mean a reproducibility lot of, audit yeah yeah but yeah sure that's a good phrase for it I mean it's not experimental even I mean psychology is experimental I guess right so in geology you don't even really often have the experimental aspect it's true let it's, me I came up with the story that blah 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 that. How, yeah that sounds plausible right you guys? Right. Yeah? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yikes. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't, like I say, I'm not obviously a part of that community, so I have no idea if that is a general, if, if genuinely at the sort of APA annual meeting, people are like freaking out. Um, but it seems to be an emerging, like a currently emerging kind of in slow motion because it's going through the peer-reviewed press essentially these are all papers that have been written about this crisis so it's unfolding over several years but it's almost um i don't like the idea of tipping points but that this author was sort of claiming that there has been a bit of a tipping point in that um argument that that the foundations are giving way 
Yikes. Brutal. Well, if there's any, uh, feel free to come over to the dark geo side. If there's any what? Doubts so of that. <laughs> who are yeah. listening to our show. Right. Looking for something new to do when their world comes crashing down. We'll take, we'll take them. Right? Totally. Hey, uh, before we go, I wanted to say that uh, blogging is going well. Oh, really enjoying yeah. it. Cool. Have fun working on whatever I want to work on up there. Gramophone.tumblr.com? Yeah. Um, the next one, I'm working right now on one on a blog post that touches on uh, creation of things versus consumption of things. Cool. I don't know. I, I, it has nothing to do with my professional life, but that's sort of why I'm doing it. So um, it's been fun. So thank you, man. Thank oh, you yeah. for encouraging me to do that. And not just you. Many yeah. of our listeners, you know who you are with those awesome blogs. Yeah, I mean, it, um, do you have do you have a, a rack of draft posts yet, of sort of ideas for future posts, or are these all just sort of more spontaneous? I have a list of topics and ideas with notes, but no, I don't have, I haven't been around long enough to have actual partial drafts written. Right, right, okay, so how long is your list? Oh, uh, I could tell you that exactly if you gave me a minute. Yeah, because I you know. sing us a song while I'm looking this up. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just interested because my, you know, my sort of theory is that actually everyone has these kind of lists. It, yes, may, maybe they don't, but I think everyone has these lists of things like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about that thing, or I know something special about that thing, or I have this weird experience, or whatever. Um, oh, I my, so my blog is basically things that I know nothing about. Which yeah, okay, or I really want to find out about that thing yeah. and, you know, explore yeah. it or something. No, I, actually, in writing my, my list of potential topics down, I realized that I, I have always had this list or, you know, yeah. a list like it sitting yeah. in, the old, in the old brain. And uh, so it's, it's nice to make it explicit in some way. It's not, it's not very long. So it's, um, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a UL, not an OL. So uh, it doesn't have numbers right next to it. Okay. I'm talking about HTML. Yeah. Come on, keep gotcha. up. Gotcha. You got it? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> if I had to guess, it's a page long, so maybe a couple dozen, a few dozen. Yeah. Right, right. And I bet you could. Pr you probably rattled it off in like 14 minutes. There um, was, yeah. yeah. Very and, done. Uh, so that's one of the things I want to do at the hashtag geoscience, communicating geoscience in the 21st century course in Calgary in uh, early May, <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. remember the date, I think it might be the 12th of May, um, yes. as part of the CSPG Spring Education Week. Google it, my friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Geoscience will be a course like no other, um, and I mean that sincerely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is why he giggles after he says it. <laughs> well, I'm not saying whether I think it's like no other because there's never been such an awesome course, or like no other, because there's never, there's never been a course like this before, um, <laughs> and now we all know why. Uh, at which we will be exploring ways into the sort of modern communication channels, let's say, of the internet. And one of the things I'd really like to do is get everyone in the room to leave with a list like the one that you have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's and a, actually that's like excellent. make it explicit and own it and keep adding to it. And if you dare, show it to your friends or dearly be beloved, and get some feedback on it. And like, what you know, what should I write first, or what would you read out of these? Or you know, is is there a is there a twist on this topic that I'm interested in that would that, that you would you would click that link kind of thing? Um, so yeah, I think we can make that one of the. I think we, I feel like we're going to have a list of like. We'll have our own list for the day of 10 or 15 things that everyone should leave with or having done uh, at the end of that course. Course. It's not really a course, but it's going to be It's going to be. We awesome. don't know what it is. It's a thing. And if you want to hear from someone who actually does know what they're talking about in the science communication space, <laughs> you, should, you should go listen to last week's episode of Undersampled Radio 
because we had Dr. Amanda Fries on the show, who is an actual pro at this, and it was it was a cool episode, and we learned a lot. Yeah, we did. And, and actually, our next episode. The course. What's that? The next episode is all from another science communicator, yes. uh, Dr. Chris, aka Chris Harrison, and um, I think we're talking to him on Tuesday. So I think by the time we get to this course, we'll have we'll have some really good material, and of course, podcasts will feature as part of the uh, part of the course. Um, by the way, it I was thinking about this as we were uh, logging on here. Um, we are not giving you a full week to work on this riddle me this because if you watch these things on YouTube, not podcast, then you'll only have until next Tuesday to submit your answer. Tall order. However, <laughs> if you're listening to this as a podcast, you won't even know about this until a week later, so you'll have a week. So that's it. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, everyone. I'm still, I'm still trying to come up with an, uh, a tagline and end some of the a sign, sign off. off. Yeah. How about just like, uh, wah, 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 wah.